Welcome. It's Saturday, 18th of January, 2020, and time to take a look at the top some topics of interest from the previous week with a view from a military mind. Unfiltered, unabashed, and definitely not PC. Let's roll. Today we're going to adjust the program a little bit and look at three news items from this week. In our first segment, we're going to take a look at one of the Democratic candidates, Pete Buttigieg. Warrior in the White House? We'll take a look at it. Second segment, we're going to go into an odor of Mendocity, special IG for Afghan reconstruction, and see what he has to say about what's going on in Afghanistan. And in our third segment, we're going to take a look at the issue that's being raised about the 11-engine troops uh, in, Afghan- or in Iraq during the rocket attack there uh, by Iran. And we'll see what uh, what they're saying about the delay in the uh, uh, notification about those injuries. So hang tight. Right after the break, we'll get started on this. You serve surrounded by brothers and sisters. But it doesn't stop there. Your mission continues. We are the VFW, and as the nation's largest combat veterans organization, we're fighting for our brothers and sisters every day, from Capitol Hill to our own communities. Join us in a fight for veterans, service members, and their families. We are the voice for veterans everywhere, and together, we cannot be ignored. Learn more at VFW.org. All right, welcome back. I'm going to get started on our first segment here. A little discussion on... Uh, one of the Democratic candidates, uh, former South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg, um, a former Naval Intelligence officer, um, a wartime veteran, deployed to Afghanistan. Um, let me just say right out front, uh, Mr. Buttigieg, thank you for your service. Um, appreciate your uh, time over there in the in the stand doing what you needed to do. Um, one of the biggest... Uh, uh, things that's come to my attention here is that he's using this as one of his reasons that he needs to be president and to bash President Trump. Um, he often cites his seven months employment in Afghanistan. Though, as uh, from what we're understanding, was never involved in combat operations. Uh, he talks about 119 times he went outside the wire. Uh, well, Mr. Bujes, what did you do over there? Um, just how much experience did you have over in the country? To me, most intelligence officers or intelligence officers are going to get it out there right. Don't always go outside the wire. Uh, they're in confines, things of that nature, especially with what he was doing over there. Um, he was over there as an analyst for uh, finances um, it, it's really it brings up a lot of questions because he was doing the Afghan threat finance cell um, where he would uh, identify and disrupt Taliban and Al-Qaeda and other insurgent financial support networks okay um, hey Mr. Pete how about give us a little more information about what you did okay great you, you analyze threats over there What's that do to make you that much more knowledgeable to be the president? Um, you're 37 years old. You're just starting to get going. You're just starting to learn. You've been a mayor. Um, 
Have we had others before that didn't quite have all the experience? Eh, not at 37 years old. Uh, you're just now over the, the line of where you can be president. Um, again, I'm not disparaging your service. Uh, I'm not going to disparage your service at all. Uh, all of us went through some crap over there that uh, sometimes we can uh, work with it on a daily basis. Sometimes we can't. We can't roll it into what we're doing sometimes. Um, he talks about being in rocket attacks in Bagram. I think everybody that's ever been through Bagram at one time or another's been through a rocket attack there. Run to a bunker. If you hear the boom, you're good to go. But, um, yeah, let's, uh, uh, let's kind of clarify about what in your military service is going to help you be a better president. Are you saying that your ability to analyze threats as an intelligence analyst will help you analyze things better? Well, you're going to have the same thing that President Trump has now. You have advisors. You have those that are going to give you real-time information. And you're going to act and react accordingly. So, it just yeah, there are just some things that just aren't clicking here. Uh, I'm just not too... Uh, I'm not too convinced about your uh, whether your short time in the military and your short time in a political career makes you qualified to be the president of the United States. And some of the crazy things you've said as a Democratic candidate definitely doesn't necessarily qualify you to be the next president of the United States. Um, so please give me give the American people. Give your own constituents something more to grab onto than a very vague military service and a limited political service. Um, you went to Afghanistan right in the middle of your term as a your first term as mayor, so that means all that time you were gone because I know you. I mean, I know very well you had to go in and do your pre-mob training, deployed. Then you come back, and you got your post-deployment training and stuff that you've got to take care of. You're lacking in experience. You talk a good game. You blow a good smoke screen. But I don't see it. I don't see it. So please, before you start using your military experience and making the rest of us look out of whack, explain a little more. Prove to us you can do this. Oh, that's pretty much what I had to say on him. Um, of course, I, I do have to say he's never claimed to be involved in direct combat, which is great. Uh, don't claim something you haven't done. Um, he has made the comments he had 119 times outside the wire as an armed security escort or driver. Uh, the last I knew, there aren't a whole lot of officers out there driving around as a driver, as an armed driver. Um, let's kind of clarify that there. Let's see what you actually did. Um, and I've seen it with some of the Special Forces groups, some of the infantry guys. But you're an intelligence analyst. Not exactly what you call top of the combat cake here. Uh, not somebody that they're going to throw out there as a, uh, a security specialist. Uh, to protect a convoy or anything like that. You might have been a convoy commander. I've seen lowly 01s do that. Um, 
a lot of NCOs and some of your enlisted have been convoy commanders. So come on, you got to give me some more here. Uh, these things sound great to the normal Joe out there that's not familiar with how the military runs. You got veterans out there and they're going, what? Okay, you, you might have done that, but highly unlikely. So, you know, come on, uh, give us a little more here. Your awards were standard awards everybody gets when they come in there. You know, the Afghan Campaign Medal and you know, Global War and Ter Terrorism Service Medal and Overseas Service Ribbon, things like that. Great, you got a, a citation for rifle and pistol, pistol marksmanship. It means you can shoot down with a, without hitting somebody to the side. Outstanding. You know, and again, thank you for your service. But give us a little more to go on here. Uh, let's not... Uh, don't put this out there as a reason to be the president and that you're qualified because you're a veteran. I know a bunch of guys that went over there that I wouldn't trust running a daycare, okay, uh, or running the playground. So give me a little bit more than that. And this is coming from a veteran. So, but give us a little bit more than that. All right, going into our next segment, I'll leave that with uh, Mayor Pete there. Uh, I'm not going to get into the other stuff surrounding him. That's not of my concern. I could care less about what he claims to be as an individual. So I'm not going to get into it. Uh, some of you out there that are listening to this, your veterans, hey, send me an email at vfamm2020 at gmail.com. Uh, let me know what you think. Show, ask, Tell me your viewpoint. We'll pop some of it up on here. Look, right after this next little break we have, um, we'll get into the next segment. We're going to uh, talk a little bit about the uh, the odor of Mendocity. Uh, talk about the special IG for Afghanistan reconstruction and see what he has to say about what's going on there. So we'll be right back after the break. Hi, this is Kelsey Grammer. When military service members head into battle, None are expected to face the enemy alone, but many return home and become isolated as they struggle with the visible and invisible wounds of war. It can be difficult knowing how to overcome that challenge and rekindle bonds similar to those formed in the military. Wounded Warrior Project supports these injured veterans through their recoveries by connecting them with fellow warriors and their communities. No one should fight this battle alone. Join us at WoundedWarriorProject.org. All right, little message there from the Wounded Warrior Project. Um, going to our second second segment here on a report from the Washington Examiner. Uh, has to do with the uh, Special Inspector General for Afghan Reconstruction, John Sopko. Um, his whole job is to make sure the taxpayers' money is well spent. Um, but in his role as uh, auditing the nation-building efforts uh, of the government, of the U.S. government over the years, uh, he's suddenly knows to start difference between reports coming back to Washington and those that he's actually sending out and what he's seeing on the ground over there. Um, it, it's really, the article's really disheartening is what we're reading here. Um, he noticed um, that there was a big disconnect uh, from even from his very first trip over there. Uh, he says, for the reconstruction, uh, that's what he's uh, an inspector general for. Uh, he's not for how we're doing the war fighting. But on the training in the military, we look at, there was a disconnect. Uh, he'd been asked a question by uh, Representative Elliot Engel. 
uh, about the so-called Afghan papers published last month uh, in the Washington Post. And he said the problem over there is a disincentive, disincentive really to tell the truth. Uh, basically, there's an odor of mendicity, which is untruthfulness. That's what mendicity means. Um, there's a, 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 they're not being pushed to tell the truth of what's going on. Uh, he says he created an incentive to almost require for people to lie. Um, he said he didn't want it to sound like something from Burl Eyes and Cattle Hot Tin Roof, but um, there, there's a throughout Afga the Afga Afghanistan issue, um, there's mendicity and hubris. Um, and they just can't help it. Uh, what's going on? Um, he says, uh, you know, the president and our Congress and American people uh, can't get the unvarnished truth from over there. As every new commander sent over there has a mission to show success, they, they want to show that they're doing something. And you know, I've seen this firsthand over there. We've got to show that, you know, we've got more flight hours. We've got more targets taken out. We've got more men going outside the wire. We've got all kinds of stuff going on. And by God, we're being successful. However, that kind of varnishes what's actually going on. Um, he says, and it's like he points out here, it's not so much that they're lying to us, but they're lying to themselves because they want to meet those goals that's been set. Um, you know, we're creating from bottom up and incentive uh, because of short time frames. We're only over there on an average six to nine months. Year if we're lucky. Uh, what gets reported up the chain, before you know it, you know, when the president or the Congress or somebody's talking about a success, it doesn't exist. It's just not there. Um, you know, it, it's something that needs to be addressed. You know, and he testified on uh, up on the Hill that he thinks it's a good issue to look at it. Not whether there was lying, but why. Why did they lie about it? Um, and what does it tell us about the way we do business, whether it's in Afghanistan or maybe even here? Um, and he points out the most notable uh, over-optimistic assessment come from uh, General John Nicholson, uh, head of the U.S. NATO forces in 2017 in Afghanistan, when he told reporters in a remote briefing from Kabul that the U.S. and its Afghan partners had turned the corner and that that, and that, that momentum is now with Afghan security forces who were now on a path to a win. Well, yeah, that that's great for the you know through rose-colored glasses, because they weren't. Um, daily over there, they're losing security forces, police forces. Something's happening to them. The Taliban or Al Qaeda is getting to them, uh, and now ISIS you know, is getting in, involved in it and taking these people out who are actually want to try to improve their country if they haven't been turned by one of these three factions. Um, and now hopefully that's not the corner they're talking about they're turning, which I know it's, it's not. After being there myself, I, I know it's not the corner they're talking about. Um, and it's like has been pointed out uh, to the Senate Armed Services Committee, 
and I have one general after another in Afghanistan who comes in and says, you know, we've just turned the corner and now it's all going to be different. And then what happens? It's all the same for another year. Someone new comes in and we've just turned another corner. Um, and unfortunately, <laughs> or, but I do have to agree with Senator Warren uh, about this. It sounds like we're going in circles. And if you go over there, that, that's exactly how you feel. Uh, that you're going in circles. Uh, we've done this before. We've been there before. Uh, we're flying 3,000 flight hours on our helicopters, and we've put out 119 missions outside the wire. Uh, we've got all this stuff going on, but it's not changing anything. It's not. It's not changing the way the people are over there, or what's going on in that country. It's shifting it from one district or one collot or one ville to another. It's just moving in another area. Maybe we won't see it. Um, it it's really, really goofy uh, what goes on over there. Um, you know, one of the things that we, we had happening over there is we got into bed with some of these uh, warlords. Uh, they're in some of these uh, different regions. You know, it, we paid them to provide security and, in many cases, to run the provincial and district administrations. Um, figuring that some, at some time in the future, you know, we'd hold these warlords to account when they committed acts of corruption or brutality. That accounting never took place. Um, around a particular fob we had over there, uh, Sharana. It was widely known by the military personnel there that the, they called him the mayor, but in all actuality he was a warlord, was paid to protect that base and, and to keep the insurgents out that he knew about. And for the longest time, for almost the duration of that, that uh, Fort Operating Base being there, they were pretty much untouched and unscathed. Now, you didn't hear that much going on there. The minute he didn't get his money, when they looked, noticed it was starting to pull out and they're starting to fold that base up, they started hitting it. So, you know, we know he had his um, his connections there to the insurgency. Um, and when they got to abusing his people that lived around there, that just drove them into the uh, arms of the resurgence, into the resurgency, uh, to the Taliban or to Al-Qaeda or to ISIS or whoever happened to be in there. At that time, it was mostly... Uh, uh, the Taliban and Al-Qaeda. You know, and for the most part, all the people there in Afghanistan wanted was a little bit of peace and a little bit of justice. You know, it, They didn't want an American-style democracy, you know, and they've never had a central government or Western-style institutions. Now, unfortunately, we went in there and they said, well, we want some justice. Good, we're going to build you a courthouse. They didn't want a courthouse. They just wanted simple justice. And this is all in a report from, uh, coming from Mr. Sopko. These are the things that he's reported. And I'm sorry. I'm not really sorry. I, I do agree with him wholeheartedly. You see this when you go over there and when you get a chance to talk to the people. Uh, some of your interps, um, when you have a chance to talk to some of the Afghan uh, Army personnel, or you get a chance to talk to uh, some of your Special Forces guys from the Afghan Army or just any Afghan. They just wanted peace and justice. They wanted to leave, you know, live their quiet lives and not have all this mess going on. 
um, then you can't blame them. Uh, if somebody was to come here from, say, came from Afghanistan, just suppose they had been the modernized um, nation that we are. And on the flip side, we're the third world country. They come in here and they're trying to build us up to the best thing that they think we are. Do we want that? No. We want to live quietly. We want to live within what we've already got. We don't want somebody else's ideas or methodologies. Just give us some peace and quiet and a little bit of justice from what's been happening to us. Um, it, it is so funny when I get in conversations with other other veterans and uh, just the normal American Joe, they don't realize that Afghanistan's been a, a nation at war for centuries. But nobody wants to stay there. They go in. Uh, Alexander the Great went in there 3,000 years ago or somewhere around in there. I don't know the exact time frame. Went in there, built fortresses and castles all over the place. And he finally got tired of fooling with it. Said, hey, screw this. I'm gone. I'm out of here. And left. And it is so bad. You know, these people, you know, so badly just want their peace and quiet. Hitler wouldn't even fool with them during World War II. Didn't even go there. Wasn't worth his time. They weren't somebody that you could conquer and overrun. And like I said, they've been doing this for centuries. They just want peace and quiet and to be left alone. Now, the answer to their issue, I don't know what it is. I don't know how to go about giving it to them because all these people from all different walks of life and all different sides of the world come in there trying to help them and to modernize them and to bring them peace and all we wind up doing is creating a mess over there um, I've said it time and time again to you know my compadres and my comrades uh, friends relatives neighbors we need to leave uh, we've done the damage there that we can do we've done a lot of good over there but we've also done a lot of damage and we have not fulfilled our part of the promise of getting rid of the Taliban and stopping Al-Qaeda from coming back in there. We may have stopped Al-Qaeda, but now we've got ISIS. And I can, if I was an Afghan citizen sitting there going, what the hell did you just do to me? You run the Taliban out. We're doing a little bit better. We hope we can keep them out. Oh, we're in negotiations, but you let ISIS come in. You need to leave. You haven't helped us. Leave us alone. And everybody says, well, they can't help themselves. Yes, they can. They were doing quite fine. So that's my opinion. Uh, that's what I think about it. Um, if you've got something to say about it, uh, you've got an opinion, you've got a, a viewpoint on it, by all means, uh, shoot me an email at vfamm2020 at gmail.com. Send me your opinion. Um, we'll put it up on here. Unabashed, unedited, non-PC. We'll, we'll put it out there for you. We'll give you credit for that comment, and we'll respect your opinion. I mean, that's what we fought for as veterans. We're, we went out there to protect our free speech. So go ahead and send me that email at vfamm 2020 at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. And we'll be right back with our last segment right after this break. Hearts been cut wide open, changing in my mind. 
Hi, I'm Lindsay Sterling, and I know what it's like to struggle with mental health issues. If you have a friend that's going through a tough time, now's the perfect moment to reach out. Learn how to start the conversation at seizetheawkward.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and the Jed Foundation. All right, getting into our last news segment, uh, particular uh, the last particular subject we're going to look at. Um, of course, as everybody knows, uh, they finally announced that we did have 11 U.S. troops uh, injured in Iraq after the Iranian uh, rocket attack uh, on our bases over there, the missile strike. Um, and initially, the president was told that there had been no harm caused to American forces. Of course, now we come out, you know, here we are, we're saying, okay, Thursday we find out 11 troops have been flown to uh, Germany, or eight to Germany and three in Kuwait, been sent for evaluation um, for uh, blast concussion. Um, and everybody's up in arms going, oh, yeah, wait, you lied to us, you didn't tell us about this, what the hell's going on here, you know? Why, is our, why are we just now finding out about our troops? And I'm like, ooh, slow down. You know, you got to understand what happened. And the vets out there that's been through rocket attacks and you know, blasts and things like that, sometimes you don't always know right away what has happened to you. Yeah, you know you've been through a rocket attack, you felt some blast, things like that. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not a medical expert. This is coming from personal experience and personal uh, uh, knowledge of what uh, talking to guys that's been through blasts, having a good friend of mine that actually was involved in a, a major uh, V-bed attack back in 12. Uh, so not all the time are you going to know right away. You know, hey, I'm hurting, I'm injured, uh, my brain's been rattled. You know from your training and from all the classes that they give you that this occurs your head gets scrambled around inside that, that brain bucket of yours. But you don't necessarily immediately feel the effect. Um, when you have an attack like that, your training and your fight-or-flight instincts kick in. You're going to start responding. You're going to do the best of what your brain can do at that time. Eventually, you're going to slow down. you start getting a headache or you start getting hurt, nauseated, a little bit injured. You're just not feeling quite yourself, and you'll go in and say, hey, yeah, you know, something's wrong. Something may have happened when this ha attack happened. Um, so people out there need to really understand and not get all up in arms because our leaders over there didn't right away tell us that there were people injured. They may not. They may not have known. Uh, I mean, I'm not there. I don't know uh, exactly what happened. Um, so I. We're trying to paint a, a big picture here that we don't have all the information and probably never will have all that information. Um, just rest assured, our troops are being taken care of. They've been taken care of in a timely manner considering what had happened. Um, they're in a war zone. And they were treated as soon as the medical professionals and their chain of command knew that they needed to be taken care of. So we need to calm down and slow our roll here on this mess. Okay, we can get in, in, into some of what was said uh, uh, by um, Secretary Esper 
you know, he's, after he was notified of the possible brain injuries on Thursday, um, the U.S. Central Command put out a brief statement just saying several troops were treated for concussion symptoms from missile blasts. You know, and AP reported it on Monday, you know, when the reporters were allowed to visit the attacked base. You know, you know Thursday's statement said, out of abundance of a caution, some of the injured troops were flown out of Iraq for follow-on screening because the medical personnel at uh, and al-Assad do not have a magnetic resonance imaging scanner, which can be used to diagnose any brain injuries. You know, he said, um, I said, everyone would agree, that, you know, this is considered an injury, you know, which became apparent over a period of days. Most, uh, most of, most all of uh, the troops initially resumed their military, military duty. Uh, most or all of them had uh, resumed their duties. <coughs> so it wasn't something that was, immediately apparent so they addressed it when it became apparent when it, they were told about it um, and said one uh, one service member with uh, concussion like Simpsons flown out of Iraq on January 10th so he was taken out early you know he was immediate he knew it happened he knew he was having issues so he was taken out immediately you know there was no really no downplaying you know, and they reported as soon as they know, you know, were notified of it. You know, they weren't downplaying the lethality of the, the Iranian missiles or delay the reporting the injuries out of political considerations. I mean, that's that would be the most absolutely asinine thing to have happen, uh, to delay it because of political considerations. And I'm, I can tell you right now, those doctors and those commanders out there on the ground could give two shits about the political things are going on here uh, maybe higher up the chain but those that are on the ground treating those guys there could give a shit less they're going to get those boys treated as soon as they know that there's an injury to, to um, you know there's an injury to one of the troops out there and to get it taken care of you know it's uh, you know the idea that there was an effort to de-emphasize these injuries for, for some sort of amorphous political agenda just just does not hold water you know, I agree with the the author of this article. You know, they're not gonna hide this stuff just to you know make sure that President Trump has a clean slate when it comes time to what he did with these attacks. That's that's total bullshit. You know, that's BS being put out by mainstream media. If that's if that's what they want to do, that's what it is. These guys are being traded most expeditiously as they can be. So. I'm going to get off that bandwagon. Um, it, it irritates me when they question the um, integrity and morality of our personnel that are taking care of our injured troops over there. So they need to get their head out of their ass, out of their fifth point of contact, and realize that the guys at the lower echelons don't play the political games. Those captains and those majors and those light colonels and those lieutenants and those sergeants and... Um, the corporals and the privates that are taking care of our men over there are doing it in a timely and efficient manner as quick as they can. And whether it be the medic in the field or in the hospital or the caregiver in the hospital or the immediate chain of command right there on the ground, they're going to get our personnel taken care of as soon as they know that there's an issue. So just rest assured they were taken care of immediately as soon as there was something known. So... All right, so we're going to 
one last pause for the cause, and I'll be right back with you in just a minute. During the Civil War, it was called Soldier's Heart. After World War II, they called it Gross Stress Reaction. It's been called Shell Shock, War Neurosis, and Battle Fatigue. Today, we call it post-traumatic stress disorder, and it affects one out of every five warriors returning from battle in Iraq and Afghanistan. It's not a wound that you can see, though it can have an even more significant impact. Post-traumatic stress disorder can prevent warriors from living a normal life, hurt their relationships, and affect their ability to hold a steady job. The Wounded Warrior Project offers comfort and support for warriors with post-traumatic stress disorder and all other scars of war, whether those scars are visible or hidden. Find out what you can do to help, because for warriors, the greatest casualty is being forgotten. Please visit WoundedWarriorProject.org. All right, we're back. I want to make a special shout-out to uh, one of my alma maters, the LSU Tigers. Hey, good going, guys. Good showing on the NCAA national championship over Clemson 42 to 25 good job awesome team I'm glad you guys are the championships uh, I don't normally shout out to anything like that uh, I'm not a big football fan I'm really not a big sports fan of any time unless it's hockey um but yeah I really got a hand at the LSU Tigers they did an outstanding job so I'm real proud of you guys down there uh this coming from Alabama from an old LSU alumni good job Keep up the good work. Let's see what else you can do in the next year coming up. So, rolling on in, uh, a little bit of, this is a suggestion from my uh, my better half, my household six. Um, she says, why don't you give a little bit of what happened on this day in history uh, based on military. So I said, all right, we'll take a look at this. So she come up with a few of these little interesting facts. On this day, on January 18th in 1911, for you Navy, for all you squids out there, the first shipboard landing of a plane. The plane took off from uh, Tanforin Park and landed on the USS Pennsylvania. And that was in 1911. Wow, that's wild. Um, 1962. For you Vietnam guys, you know, one of our big mistakes. 1962, the U.S. begins spraying foliage in Vietnam to, re to reveal the Viet Cong guerrillas. Uh, our brothers and sisters from that time period are, are still suffering with this stuff. Uh, uh, I can't stress enough. Go get it taken care of. Go see the VA. Go get your benefits. Go get that stuff taken care of. Uh, we want to be. Want you to ha want to have you with us just a little bit longer. And one more here in January 18th, 1991, Iraq launches Scud missiles against Israel. You know what all that le led to. So. But that's what I have for today. And, and closing out, you know, brothers and sisters, take care of each other out there. Pay attention to what's going out there, going on out there around us, around the world, around the political arena. Go out and vote. Now, I don't care whether you're Democrat, Republican, uh, Independent, Socialist, whatever you are. It is your God-given right to go out and vote make a difference in there you know, I've heard a lot of people over my um, my years tell me oh my vote doesn't mean anything yes it does every swinging vote whether it's a presidential election a senatorial a congressional or local 
your vote does count. Um, take the time and go and research how our country, how our government actually works, how that constitutional democracy works. Um, go in there and see how things occur. How You can learn how your vote works. Um, if you know anything about the electoral, electoral college, your electoral representatives from your state have to go with what the highest, what the popular vote is. That's how their votes push to the electoral college. So yes, your vote does count. Don't ever let them tell tell you that it doesn't. All this BS these politicians put out of there that you know, hey, we need to eliminate this this year, or we need to enhance this. All of our stuff is set in stone in the U.S. Constitution. There's a lot of things that we can amend and we can adapt to. But the U.S. Constitution and our Bill of Rights are set. They're there. It's going to be very hard to change those. It takes a lot of effort on a lot of people's uh, part to change those around. Uh, don't let the politicians bullshit you. You know, you have things in there. You know, the First and Second Amendments... All the amendments there are there for a reason, to protect those rights that were given to us. Don't let them take them away. If you're a Second Amendment uh, supporter, go out there and do it. Don't go out there and get into a fight over it. Everybody's entitled to their opinions. Yeah, some of them are like buttholes. They stink. But you're entitled for it. We vets fought. Some of them died to protect those rights your First Amendment right of free speech. Don't use it as a battle axe. Don't go out there and physically hurt somebody. Stand your ground. Hold true to your beliefs. But we got to quit trying to kill each other just because of some dumbass uh, politician out there running his head or um, some group like Antifa <coughs> or things like that. We need to stand our ground with cool, calm heads in our beliefs. We need to stop the radicalism, and we need to get our country back. Like I said, I don't care. I've met Democrats, and I've met Independents, and I've met Republicans, and middle-of-the-road conservatives, whatever you want to call yourself. That's great. <clears throat> I call myself an American. So... I've talked to a lot of people out there, and they just want the stupidity to stop, the lunacy to stop. Well, you know how you can do that? Vote them out. Get them out of there. Get people that some of these nutcases we've got on both sides of the aisle are just lunatics. We need to get rid of them. Some of them need to be committed, but we'll get into that at another time on another show. So stand your ground. Be proud of who you are. Be proud that you're an American, whether you're immigrated here or you're born here. If you're a U.S. citizen, be proud of what you are and what you have and be proud of this country. We still have a great future ahead of us. Let's make that happen. So from the great state of Alabama and voice of a military mind, good night. God bless. And God bless America.